want you to remember to pray each and every day for Tommy's family, for Mark, Laura, Dakota, Vera, the rest of the extended family. I don't think there's anything that's more difficult than losing a child. And we will certainly miss Tommy. He was so faithful to sing in our worship band. And he always had that smile, that beautiful personality. We also want to remember those who have served our country and lost their lives, giving us hope and giving us freedom. And we are incredibly blessed as a country. We're in John 13 today, verses 1 through 17. Clean feet in a dirty world. Jesus' story here is the night before he was to be betrayed, or the night he was betrayed, and he would go to the cross the following day. But this is the Last Supper. If someone told you you have 24 hours to live, what would you do? Would you go to your family and friends? Would you tell each other how much you love one another? If you had 24 hours to live, would you ask for your favorite meal? If you had 24 hours to live, would you make peace with God? What would you do? Well, I find it incredibly interesting that Jesus is within 24 hours of giving up his life, and he is doing supper with his disciples. Most of us have grown up thinking of the Lord's Supper as somewhat of a table like this, with Jesus in the center and the disciples gathering around and, and uh, all sitting down. And we have many, many paintings from the Middle Ages that portray the Last Supper in that manner. In fact, Leonardo da Vinci in 1495 in Milan, Italy, he painted this picture in this monastery in the dining hall. And I can only think of those 15th century monks and 16th century monks sitting there and looking at that painting and say, wow, that's just like what we're doing right now. But that was Middle Ages. Europe. Jesus was in the Middle East in the first century. And in the Middle East in the first century, the way that you sat at a table is you came in and you reclined at the table. You reclined on your left arm because your right hand was your kosher hand. It was the hand that was clean. It was the one that you would eat with. And they were reclining at that table. Now, there's three major things that I want to point out in our text today. The first is the point of salvation. The next is the point of sin. And the third is the point of servanthood, being a servant. So if you would, in honor of the reading of the Word of God, would you please stand with me as we read 17 verses. Verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover. This is the third Passover that Jesus attended. When Jesus knew that his hour had come, in fact, when you read that, when he knew his hour had come, you often read prior to this, my hour is not yet, my hour is not yet, my hour is not yet come. Over and over and over in the Gospels you read that. But now he says, 
that his hour had come. That he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Father, I pray today for your will in our lives. I pray, Father, for salvation. I pray, Lord, that we would separate ourselves from sin. And I pray, Father, that we would be servants. And I thank you for the incredible example that Jesus gives us all throughout Scripture and, Father, the hope and the peace that he provides. So even now, Lord, in the midst of difficulties and trials, help us to do the things that you've called us to do. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the first thing I want to point out to you is this. Salvation is like a bath for your soul. It's it's like a bath for your soul. And salvation is... Absolutely, utterly necessary if we are going to come into the kingdom of God and be part of his kingdom. And uh, Jesus approached Peter here at this last supper and and, and said these words in verse 8. You shall never wash my feet, Peter said, and if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So he's wanting to wash his feet and Peter is basically putting up the argument, no Lord, you're not ever going to wash my feet. You're not the servant. I am the servant. I should be the servant. You know, Peter was always saying the wrong thing. I mean, he, he just couldn't get it right. In fact, uh, I think sometimes the only reason Peter pulled a foot out of his mouth was to put his other foot in his mouth. And he probably had hoof and mouth disease. Peter was constantly saying things, and Christ was having to clean it up. And he would say, no, 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 you have that wrong. And after he said, you have no part of me unless you allow me to do this, then Peter goes overboard in verse 9 and he said, well, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. (laughs) And Jesus has to clean that up as well for Peter in verse 10. And Jesus said, he who is bathed, in other words, you've already been born in the kingdom of God, you've already experienced that, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. And then he adds this afterthought, but not all of 
you. So what did Jesus mean? Well, he's making a spiritual analogy here that we might understand what he's saying. What dirt is to your body, sin is to your soul. And he's saying when your soul is saturated with sin, you need to have cleansing. And we've all been stained with sin because everyone has fallen short of the glory of God and we have all sinned. But he said, you don't need a complete bath. You just need forgiveness. You need to ask to be cleansed. Now, how are we cleansed? We are cleansed by the Word of God. Ephesians 5.26 tells us these words, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water, how? By the Word. And what we, when we think about that, salvation is like a bath for the soul. And Titus 3.5 tells us, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, not what we did, but what He did, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it, it, what, what happens here is, is we come to Christ and it's called being born again or it's called entering into a right relationship with God or it's called regeneration. We are experiencing something brand new. And then after we experience that, we have this process of growth and finally the process of glorification when we go to be with the Lord. But the washing of regeneration. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? That's right. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus that can make me whole again. There is nothing but the blood of Jesus that gives us hope, cleansing, and a right relationship with God. So Peter, you don't need a bath. You've already had a bath. I just need to clean your feet. Now, we all have sinful, dirty hearts. And this leads me to two important points that I want to make concerning this first point, that salvation is like a bath for your soul. First is this, we all need this bath because we aren't naturally clean. We aren't naturally clean. I mean, when we come into this world, we live in a sinful world, and because of Adam's sin, he has passed along his DNA to us, and we then pass along that DNA continually to our families and we continue to fall short of his glory. So each of us must come to Jesus and understand that if I am going to be cleansed, I must receive the washing of regeneration and that makes me clean. But there's a false teaching that's going around that says something like this. Someday, some way, every person everywhere, regardless of what they've done in life or how horrible they have been, one day God's going to say, come on into my heaven. Everything's okay. It's called universalism. And it's wrong. Because basically it says, do whatever you want to, because one day God's going to forgive you, and everything's going to be on the up and up. Everything's going to be fine. And, and, and that is absolutely a lie. Now, Jesus said, all of you but one are clean. All of you but one are saved. All of you but one are in a right relationship with me, even though I need to wash your feet. And the one that was lost, we know because the Scripture tells us, was Judas Iscariot. And we know that very soon he would betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Now, maybe you've never given your life to Christ. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not dirty. Well, your soul is saturated with sin. 
And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all, every single one of us have sinned, and guess what? We fall short of the glory of God, and because of that, Romans 6, 23 tells us that the wages of that sin which I have committed will lead to death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our life, our Lord. It, it, here's the thing. It doesn't matter where we've been. It only matters who we know. And we have to have that right relationship with Almighty God. And we do that through the blood of Christ. Every one of us needs a bath. Second major thought here is this. One bath is all you need. One bath is all you need. You can only be born again one time. And and that one bath is what you need. Many people get this wrong. And here's what they do. I've, I've talked to so many people. And I'll say, have you, and after, after a bit of conversation, I'll say something like this. Have you been born again? Have you been saved? Are you in a right relationship with God? Yeah, I've been saved five or six times. <laughs> no, you haven't been saved five or six times. You've been saved one time, but you need to confess your sin continually so you are in that right fellowship with God. And, and, and people get that wrong. And they say, oh, yeah, I've been saved over and over and over and over and over. And no, 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 no. How many times were you born to your parents? One time, right? How many times were you born again? One time. In fact, the Romans tells us in chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them, to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the beginning point of salvation is instantaneous. Immediately, at that moment you pass from death and you pass to life, you step from darkness, you step into light, your soul was dirty, and now your soul is squeaky clean in the eyes of God. Think about it with Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and Nicodemus says something like this. Well, I don't understand all this born-again stuff, and the Spirit blows where it will. And, and, and Jesus basically says, Nick, you can have a head full of knowledge, knowledge but your heart's empty. You can have all of the laws memorized, but if you don't have the relationship, you have nothing. You have to be born again. You have to come under the power of the cross of Christ and be experiencing that continual fellowship with God. So, secondly, let's look at the second major point. Two, walk in fellowship with Jesus. We must regularly confess our sins. Now, you noticed I changed the word there. We must walk in fellowship. Now, what is the difference in fellowship and relationship? Because a lot of times Christians get confused concerning this, and they think with every sin they commit, they're out of the family of God. I mean, like, I thought a wrong thought. Oh, well, I'm not saved now. Or I said a wrong word, or I did a wrong deed, and I'm not saved now. I'm out, I'm out, of, I'm out of that relationship. No, you're out of fellowship. You're out of fellowship. You're not out of relationship because once we are in the relationship with God, we have that forever. And they say, well, I've sinned, so I'm not saved. Well, no, one bath is all you need, but you need your feet washed. Now, some of you are thinking literally. No, I'll get to that in a minute, okay? Uh, but you, you need to confess your sins. In fact, we do that. And 1 John tells us how. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if you say, you know, I, I, there's no sin in me, then you've deceived yourself. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the whole book of 1 John is talking about staying in fellowship with the Lord. Having that 
salvation experience and then remembering to stay in fellowship with him. In fact, the word confess there is the word homo legeo. And that word homo legeo means to think the same as, to agree with. It's to say the same thing. And, and so when we come to God and we're confessing our sin, it's not like God's like, you did that? I'm shocked. He already knows. What we're doing is agreeing with him that we have. And we're saying, Lord, you're right. I, I blew it again. So when we confess our sins before Almighty God, we're not telling God something he doesn't know. He already knows that. But the reason we confess our sin is to stay in fellowship with Almighty God. And when we confess that sin, then that, that relationship is, 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 is renewed. And, and, and there's this distance between us when we continually sin. And that's why they say, if you're not careful, you'll continue to sin. And then you'll not feel the drawing of the Spirit of God because you have basically hardened your heart. So the difference between relationship and fellowship. Now, the Bible says that we are to enter in to the relationship and then we are to maintain the fellowship. It's kind of like my son Josh. Josh is 38 years old, soon to be 39 years old. He it was born my son. He's still my son. He will always be my son. Now, if, if he committed some horrible sin, he would still be my son. If, if I die, I am still his father, and he is still my son. That never changes. That is relationship. But there have been a few times in the course of 38 plus years that our fellowship is broken down. That he's done something that I disagreed with, and then what I did, I said, hey, you're wrong. Took away the keys. Or said, you're grounded. Or said, you're not going. Are you going to apologize? And and that's the fellowship. And, and often that fellowship breaks down and people have a misconception that that is a relationship. No, 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 no. I am always going to be his dad. And he will always be my son. The worst thing about sin in the life of a Christian believer is this. It's not you lose your salvation, but it's you lose that close, intimate fellowship with God. And he desires that. Now, you know, Jesus is still washing feet. You say, really? He hasn't washed mine. Well, maybe he has. You just don't recognize it. I encourage you to regularly get alone with the Lord. Pray. Ask forgiveness for your sin. Reveal. Say, Lord, reveal any unconfessed sin in my life. I don't want our relationship to be damaged because our fellowship is not right. That fellowship with the Lord is so important. Finally, there is the last lesson. The salvation lesson, the sin lesson that Jesus gives them, but then the servanthood lesson. We must follow Jesus' example of humble service. Now, in Jesus' time, there was a custom when you went to a home. You had a servant that would wash your feet. Now think about it. You've been wearing sandals all day. You've been in dirt and maybe dust and maybe even mud. And and you have open sandals and and your feet are filthy. And you come into a house and you come into the foyer and a servant is there. And they have a little chair and you sit on the chair. And the servant washes your feet. And even good servants would massage your feet a little bit. So uh, it it was an act of being a servant. It was an act of of showing I care about you 
And I want to humbly serve you. And that host and, and that servant would do that very thing. But uh, the disciples came into the room. Jesus comes into the room. Guess what? Nobody's done this. Why? It's a borrowed room. There's no servant. There's no host. And Jesus, within 24 hours of losing his life, takes a towel, girds himself, takes a basin of water, kneels down. Remember, they're reclining on their left arm. Their feet are behind them. It'd be easy to get to their feet. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. In Luke's gospel, we have this same concept in the Last Supper. And just prior to the Last Supper, guess what the disciples are arguing about? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? And Jesus teaches them this humble act. It shows that you are the greatest. It's not how high you climb, but it's how low you're willing to bow. In John chapter 13, verse 13 and 14, he said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Was Jesus talking literally? Yes and no. Yes in the sense that as followers of Christ, we live in a dirty, fallen world. But in the day that we live, most of us aren't walking dusty, dirty roads with sandals. We're driving our vehicles. And we have shoes on and we have socks on. So our feet aren't getting dusty and dirty and all of that. But the meaning remains the same. We live in a changing world. However, we're still to be a servant to the Lord and a servant to others. And those simple acts of servanthood show that basically that we are washing their feet. And by doing so, we're showing, Lord, you gave the incredible example of servanthood. Therefore, I am going to be a servant my entire life. I'm not going to ask to be served. I am going to be the one to serve. How do we do that? We do that by loving the Lord and by loving people and serving the Lord and serving people. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. And some people are so arrogant. It's like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. No. I thank God. That Jesus came to cleanse us. Amen. And I'm so thankful that he gave us examples of how to serve. And even in that last 24 hours of his physical life before he went to the cross. He served. Showing us maybe the most important thing that you do within a day of your death is to serve somebody. Remember that song? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. And what happens? They lose all their guilty stains. My question for you today is this. Have you plunged beneath the blood. If so, you've lost all of your guilty stains. But, if not, 
you need to. Friday morning, James, Woody, and I went out to see the Bass Hams. Mark had not arrived home yet. Lori was there alone. Sitting, Tommy's truck. Saying, not Tommy, not Tommy, not Tommy. We did everything within our capacity to give comfort. But you know what? Tommy's voice won't be heard from this stage again. But Tommy's voice is being heard in heaven today. And the one reason, because he plunged beneath the blood and he lost all of his guilt and stains. Listen, don't wait and say tomorrow. Get it right today. Be born again. And if you're born again, stay in that fellowship. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you, Father, for the blessings that have been brought by your blood. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the example that you have given us in yourself. And I pray, Father, that you would just give us divine wisdom, peace, and purpose, and that we would make a difference eternally for those whom we come in contact with. And Father, if there's anyone here who needs to come and be plunged beneath your blood and lose all of those guilty stains, may they move this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.